This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 729. When we talk about why, I think it's a combination of factors, but most of them are related to technology. So if you think about the 50s, what made someone determine where they're going to move is probably where dad's going to work. So markets would explode stuff like New York or Boston. You had these areas where, like, like you mentioned, San Francisco, where you had to be physically present because this is where things were done. Detroit, Michigan, right? Like you move to where the jobs were. Well, internet has increased its capability rapidly in the last 10, 15 years. And we've gotten to the point where now people are specialized and they work from home all the time. What's going on, everyone? This is David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, here today with my partner in crime, Dave Meyer, to talk about real estate by the numbers. Funny enough, that's the same book that he helped write with Jay Scott. We get into migratory patterns, absolutely. We get into data, we get into information, we get into objectiveness. If you like Excel spreadsheets, if you like to make your decisions on the firm bedrock of information, you are going to love today's show about where you should be investing in 2023. Before we move on with that, today's quick tip is, if you like this kind of information, if you listen to the show, you get all the way to the end, you say, that's what I want more of. I want people telling me the numbers, the data, the statistics, the facts, the cold, hard facts about where I should invest. Consider checking out the Bigger Pockets YouTube channel. Now, this is a podcast, and there are other podcasts, and those do go on YouTube. But in addition to that, we make additional content that you might not know about that never makes it into the podcast realm. It only goes on YouTube. You can catch me on there talking about kind of the nitty-gritty details of what it takes to have a career in real estate or loan products you might not know about or negotiation techniques that you need to tell your agent to be using. And you can catch Dave on there talking about more information like this what studies have been done, how to interpret that data, and what the next trend in real estate investing is gonna be. So if you're like me and you're addicted to YouTube and you listen to it all the time, go follow and subscribe to the Bigger Pockets YouTube channel and get more information in between the podcasts that we try to release as frequent as we can. All right, Dave, what were some of your favorite parts of today's show? I think today's show is, is, is one of my favorite ones we've done in a while because this is one of those areas where investors can really gain an edge over their competition. This is like, if you're the kind of person who likes to research and understand what's going on around you, this is a great practical episode where you can learn some of the specific things that you should be looking for and identifying to pick markets. We're going to talk about where people are moving, why people are moving, where businesses are moving and why they're moving. And if you can follow these trends and sort of extrapolate them out to what might happen over the next couple of years, you're going to be in a really good position to identify great locations and great markets to invest in real estate. Yes. And on today's show, we name names. We're not just talking principal. We get into the theories and the principles of why this works, and we actually give you specific cities that we think are going to do well and why. This is what nobody ever wants to do in our space because if you're wrong, you look like a fool and nobody likes that, but that's okay. Dave and I are willing to risk that in order to share where we invest and where we think that you can do well because we love you. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. 
Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six-month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com and use the code BPINVESTOR. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com slash VP. Connectinvest.com slash VP. All right, let's get into today's show. What's going on, Dave Meyer? I'm so happy you're here today. We get to talk about a topic that I love. As the author of Long Distance Real Estate Investing, I like to track where people are going, what markets are heating up. As the Bigger Pockets host of the podcast, I like to talk about where people could be buying real estate, what listeners from Bigger Pockets happen to listen in the hot city that everything's happening in or a cold city that people are leaving. I think this stuff is really important. So glad you're here with me today. Can you just briefly explain to people why you are the person that we brought in to talk about this with us? Well, sure. It's a really fun topic to discuss, I think, in in as you just said, in normal times, but Ever since the pandemic, basically, the trends of migration and businesses moving to new places has accelerated in a way we really have, haven't seen. And a lot of the trends that we were used to are now the opposite, and we're seeing a lot of changes in where people are moving and where money is being invested. And obviously, this has implications for everyone and the whole country, but as real estate investors, we really want to know where 
population is growing, where money is being invested, because it has big implications for rent growth, for appreciation, for vacancy, for all these important things. So I'm pretty excited to talk about this because there's a lot of cool information that we've gathered for you. Yeah, we sort of have several headwinds that have all joined together to create this huge rush that's made a lot of money in real estate in the last several years. We have the Fed printing a whole lot of money. So you have this oversupply where this money needs to find a home. And then we have obviously COVID-19 and the way that that shook up the way that work is done. And so we have people moving into different areas based on all kinds of different reasons that we're going to talk about. And then we have the fact interest rates were incredibly low. So you really couldn't get an, any kind of return on your money in most traditional traditional cases, just like putting it in the bank. So you had to invest your money. You have a lot more money to invest, maybe not the individual, but the economy as a whole. And people are moving quicker. So if you got the right location and all the money flooded to that place, you did really, really well. And if you didn't get the right location, you still did well because assets in general, the, the prices <laughs> of them raised. You got lucky. That's exactly right. But now that you see it starting to turn around, we're starting to head into a bit of a recession. The people who bought in the areas that appreciated the most, they've got the most cushion, right? So they're, they're going to be hurt the least when things turn around. And that's why we're talking about this, because we always want to try to be ahead of what's going to be happening next. So let's start off and just have you get into the great reshuffling, as we've called it. Tell me, like, what's going on in the way that real estate investing has changed? Yeah. So I think basically you've hit on a couple of the, the major things that are happening. And the first one, like you said, is the, the pandemic and just remote work. And we saw that people, all sorts of people were were working from home for the first time. And not that long into the pandemic, a lot of companies said, you know, we're actually going to make this permanent. And so people, for the first time really in history, were untethered from locations in a way that they never have. You know, historically, if you wanted to have a great job, you'd move to where you are, David, in San Francisco or New York or any of these big major metropolitan areas that have strong job growth, strong wage growth, economic growth. Now, people were saying, okay, I can still make a San Francisco salary or I can still make a New York salary and move somewhere else. And so what we've seen just in terms of data, what's going on here is that the number of people who are moving out of state, who are moving to a different metro area has exploded. And just just from, from data um, from Redfin came out and showed that of all the people searching on Redfin for homes, 25% of U.S. home buyers were looking to move to a new metro in Q3, and that's up significantly from pre-pandemic levels and is still you know, we're no longer in lockdown mode anymore, you know, and we're still seeing this elevated sense of migration. So um, I think what I was hoping to talk about a little bit is like what happened over the last couple of years and are these trends likely to continue? Yeah, I think that's a great place for us to jump off here. Like, let's get a bit of a foundation and understanding what led to the change. And then let's talk about what we think is going to happen. And then before we do, I just want to highlight why why we're talking about this, why it's important. In the past, it's been enough with real estate to just teach someone how to analyze a property. What's it gonna cash flow? Is it gonna make or lose money? Add a little bit of sauce on the top. Like, can you throw a little bit of equity in there? Can you upgrade a little bit? Okay, and boom, you're good. You got a property and that's gonna take you to financial freedom if you just repeat it a couple times. There has been so much changing in our industry 
that it gets a little bit more complicated with every single change and you need a little bit more information to stay competitive in this market. And that's why we're bringing this information. That's why we're not just only bringing in the story of the gym teacher that bought four duplexes and now they're done and they don't have to work. It's getting harder and harder to do that. But at the same time, it's getting more and more important that you are investing in real estate. That's why so many people are flooding into the space because they're recognizing the safety, the long-term benefits and the fact that when you compare it to other investment options, they, they don't stack up at all. So the word is out. More people are hearing about this. We just want to bring more information so you can stay ahead of the others that are chasing after these same vehicles. That's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, it, there there is also a good point about what you said earlier that even during the pandemic, sort of it didn't matter where you invested because everything was going up so much. But we're not in that market anymore. And different housing markets are going to start to behave different from one another, which is normal for for the record. Having some markets that are better for cash flow and having some markets that are better for appreciation is the normal state of affairs. We were just in this crazy, abnormal situation for the last couple of years. So by studying and understanding different markets and some of the trends about population, migration, where money's being invested, you'll have a good sense of what markets are likely to withstand this downturn the best and likely to start growing again in the future, the soonest and the most dramatically. All right. So now you know why we're talking about this and why this is important. And we know that people are moving a lot and they are continuing to move more than they used to. So before we jump into where they're going and what this all means, maybe we should hit a little bit on why people are moving from where they currently live. That's a great point, because if you can understand the why, you could pr- you're more likely to predict what will happen in the future. First thing I'll say I think this is going to continue in even more frequency as we go. So people are moving more than they ever did before. It's more important to know it than they ever did before. I don't think this is a fad. I think this is going to continue. I think if we look at the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to see an increase in the velocity of human beings jumping around between markets and businesses probably doing the same thing. When we talk about why, I think it's a combination of factors, but most of them are related to technology. So if you think about the 50s, what made someone determine where they're going to move is probably where dad's going to work, right? Back then, you got dad's going to work, mom's staying at home raising the kid. We have very traditional gender roles that people are operating through. And you can't, there's no Zoom calls. There's no internet. You're driving into a physical location to attend meetings in person. I'm sure some stuff was done over the phone, but I don't think it was very much. So markets would explode stuff like New York or Boston. You had these areas where, like like you mentioned, San Francisco, where you had to be physically present because this is where things were done. Detroit, Michigan, right? Like you move to where the jobs were. This is the way that human beings have been for a very long time. If you go back before jobs, you have the Native Americans following the bison across the plains. Like I got to go to where I get my food, which now is our work. Well, internet has increased its capability rapidly in the last 10, 15 years. And we've gotten to the point where now people are specialized and they work from home all the time. We had the capability to do that, but we just didn't break out of the pattern. Then COVID-19 hit and that was a pattern disruptor. You absolutely had to change the way you're doing things because you could not leave your house. So as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. People changed the way that they operate in the workspace and you started seeing more people working from home. 
now you also see that people can learn skills much faster because we have technology assisted abilities in the workplace. So if you're someone who writes code on computers, you can learn how to write new code faster in different ways. If you work for a company and you're in sales and marketing, you probably don't have to be in that company. You're probably locked into your computer studying algorithms of different social media websites. A lot of these tech-based jobs can be done anywhere. So we, you got this niche where people can bounce around from different job to different job and they can work from home. Then COVID-19 happens and the place where certain people lived had its uh, resources shut down. So where I'm at in San Francisco, it was terrible. I don't live in the city of San Francisco, but I sell a lot of houses there and they just shut down everything. It was so hard to sell anyone on why they should live in San Francisco because all the restaurants were closed, all the nightlife was closed, all the museums were closed, all the reasons that people want to be in San Francisco, they disappeared. Same thing happened in New York. Like basically two of our biggest hubs for business in the country had the same thing happen. So people moved into the suburbs or they moved into new states. There were political differences, and I think we can agree that there's becoming a bigger spread in the spectrum of politics every year. So certain people said, I don't want to live in a state that's this way, or I don't want to live in a state that's that way, and they moved to a different state. And after a couple years of doing this, we kind of figured it out. It became easier and easier to go from one area and work one job to another area and either work that same job or get a new job. And then technology increased with stuff like Airbnb and VRBO, and we had more people putting supply into the market. And so it became much easier to live in a new area, okay? It used to be you stayed at a hotel that was super expensive, or you had to commit to a lease. And like landlords like us don't want to commit to a two-month lease for someone. It was a 12-month lease. So if you didn't know anyone in the area to move to, it was very hard to go get there, get established, set a foothold, figure out if you like it or not and then make a long-term solution. Well, now Airbnb makes that so easy. You've got expensive options if you wanna move your whole family into a big house. You've got cheap options if you just wanna live in someone's basement and sleep on a pull-out bed. It has become so easy to bounce around from location to location that people have figured this out. And what used to be a dream, I wanna make a bunch of money and quit and retire so I can travel, is now something that you can do while you're still working. You don't have to wait until you're 50, 60, 70 years old to retire and travel. You can do it at the same time. You're doing your work right now from Amsterdam. Are you in Amsterdam today? I am. Right. So you're the perfect example of the person who is able to do a great job at their job. Also work a uh, side hustle hobby of sandwich con connoisseurship, <laughs> if I can say so, and do it from different locations in the world. So like it, it, this is happening all over the place. And understanding these patterns and these trends will help investors buy in the areas where there's going to be rising demand. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the things you talked about, uh, I just want to follow up on, which is that people used to have to move to these places to get good paying jobs like New York or San Francisco. And we're just picking on those two. You're from around San Francisco. I grew up around New York, so we can pick on those cities. But basically, the, what happened, though, is because they offered, in many cases, the highest paying jobs or the highest concentration of high paying jobs, there was so much demand that those places got insanely expensive. Like it's not a coincidence that San Francisco and New York are two of the most expensive real estate markets in the world. It's because people want to live there because they want to have access to those very expensive jobs. 
Now you're saying, oh, I can I can get that San Francisco or New York salary, but I don't have to live there. I can go to Nashville or I can go to Dallas or I can go to somewhere in Florida and live. It's basically getting a raise like you could be getting a 20 or 30 percent raise. Um, and, you know, people were doing this and companies, you know, over the last couple of years who have been struggling to find employees we're allowing people to do this because it was like a way for them to basically give their employees a free raise as well. Like if you're Facebook or Twitter or Google or whatever, if you say you can take your San Francisco salary and move to wherever you want, you're giving them a much higher quality of life. And I think uh, for, for just what, you know, cost of living wise. Uh, and I think people really wanted to take advantage of that. And uh, I, I don't necessarily think they're going back. I know you hear some of these high profile um, things where people are getting called back to the office and some are, but if you actually look at the data about how much people work remote, it's pretty stable. Like it peaked a couple years ago. It has come down a little bit, but now it's pretty flat. And so I think we are going to continue to see people able to work remote. And like your to your point, David, I think that's going to just increase this transience uh, among people you know, going forward. Well, I think of some of the places that we've seen more people moving to than anywhere else, like the winners that are going to show up here. A lot of these were places that typically people only went to when they retired, which means they wanted to be there. It had a lower cost of living, a better client, more amenities, but they couldn't. They had to wait till they were done. So you think like Florida's exploded. That is our typical retirement community of America. Everybody waits to retire, they move to Florida. You've got Arizona. Arizona has exploded in demand as Californians have realized it's a little bit hotter, but it's not a whole lot of different climate than what we're used to. But it's a third as expensive as the Bay Area. Like you said, it's a huge, it's like getting a raise to move there. Texas has been a place that typically like you were just from Texas or that was it. Nobody was going into Texas, but the people that lived in Texas loved it. And now that the word is out, I'm sure the Texans don't love this that are listening to this, but Everyone else wants to go there. Tennessee was another place that a lot, it was like a niche market. You were a musician and you went to Nashville to try to make it. It was kind of like the Hollywood of the South a little bit. Uh, Or you retired and you moved up there, right? But if you lived in Tennessee, you knew about some of the gems like the Smoky Mountains, Nashville, the areas that people wanted to go vacation to. Uh, Now you can just live in those areas. It's people are, they wanted to be there the whole time, but their job was restricting them. And as we've sort of cut the tethers, of your workplace requiring you to be someone, we see people naturally going to where they wanted to go. And that's one of the reasons that I invest in those markets. I don't see that changing in the future. Uh, 100%, totally agree. And before we move on, I just want to say, David and I have been talking a lot about um, price-wise affordability. And I do think that is probably the number one major driver. People want to go where they want to go. But when we look at some of the data to why people are moving, I just also want to say that some of the things that we've noticed are, one, income tax. Uh, States with no or low income tax have uh, been major winners like Nevada, Texas, Florida, um, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. So, so there you go. Um, and then a lot of times this is pandemic related too, but just like space, a lot more space, you know, people who are living in small spaces when you're confined to your home, uh, wanted bigger areas. Um, so we saw suburbs really take off as well. Places that had affordable suburbs were other areas that really were seeing a lot of net migration and are still seeing a lot of net migration. So, All those things combined have led to this trend. And now 
We have seen and have some winners and losers that we can actually share with you over the last couple of years, which markets have seen the most and, you know, most people lost and the most people gained. You know, it's, it's funny. Three years ago, I was doing real estate meetups in the East Bay area and people would say, you know, you wrote long distance real estate investing. Where should I buy? And I was like, everyone overthinks it. We overthink it so much. You want to buy in places with warm climate and low state income tax. Because the people who are making the most money are living in New York and California. They're they're paying the highest in taxes. And people in New York don't like the cold. They would rather live in the warm. And people in California can't live in the cold. We can only live in the warm because <laughs> we've been spoiled. You're not adapted to the cold. <laughs> yes. It's like 50 degrees over here. And everyone's complaining like, this is ridiculous. We're going to die. Like my petunias can't make it in this 50 degree weather. We, we, we don't adapt at all. And I said, you should invest in Texas. Tennessee and Florida. That's it. Like find the areas that someone would move to to start. And those places have exploded and everybody has made money that's invested there. It really can be simple when you understand the principles that we're about to get into now. Yeah. Hopefully those people listen to you. All right. So Dave, the numbers guy, the data guy, I should say, tell me what is Redfin uh, statistics on this trend? What's the data telling us? Well, You know, we've been picking on New York and California, and I will say that those are the two cities, two states, excuse me, that had the largest out migration. Uh, And so New York over the last couple of years has lost 180,000 residents and California has lost 300. Oh, no, excuse me. They've lost 343,000, but they gained another 150,000. So. Like we've been saying, you see, if you look at this and sort of dig into it a little bit more, a lot of is it from the New York City area, San Francisco and LA areas. They're very, very expensive. Um, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But a lot of this, I believe, is not just personal lifestyle, but you've seen a lot of companies move out of San Francisco and LA. And you've seen a lot of finance companies, for example, leave New York and head to Florida. So um, those aren't super surprising. The other general area where where that has lost a lot of population is the Midwest. Uh, people are lo- losing, uh, leaving Illinois and Ohio, uh, and where they're heading. No surprise, some of the states that we've already named, which are Florida, which gained a net of four hundred thousand residents. Texas has also gained 400,000 residents and now is the second state after California with over 30 million residents. And the other ones all in the South, Arizona, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia lead the way in terms of cities with a ton of migration. I'm guessing you are not surprised by anything I just said. No, I think... Man, I think it's not too hard to see the writing on the wall. Florida was the only state doing things the way they did. And because of that, what was the net uh, addition to people that moved there? Was it 500,000, you said? 400,000, yeah. 400,000, right? That's a lot of people moving into an area that doesn't have enough supply of homes. It's typically only retirees that are moving into Florida, right? Or like immigrants that are on that that part of the, the world. And so you're seeing a massive amount of houses that are being built. Florida's trying to to adapt to this. There's subdivisions going up everywhere. Prices are increasing super fast. The Floridians, like, they think they're in a bubble. They're over there like, you know, that house used to cost 300000 Now it's costing 440000 This is ridiculous. But the New Yorkers are like, I could, I was paying $1.2 million and I could go live there for 440000 and it's warm. Sign me up. Yeah, I mean, my friends who still live in New York, would pay like 1.5 million for like a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. 
you know, it's like, it's like nothing to them. They like, they still see that this is a good deal, but I do think it is just, I will say this is like sort of a tangent, but, um, Florida is one of those states where it's like really depends what city you're in. Some some markets are just humming along, which we'll get to in a minute. Some I think might be at risk of oversupply, but I, the the fact, re- regardless of supply, people are moving there. A lot of people are moving there, and that trend uh, does not seem to be slowing down. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. 
With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We wanted to talk about another thing here, which is not just that people are on the move, but businesses are really on the move. Uh, And it was actually, it's kind of hard to find data for this. I was kind of surprised at how difficult it was. Um, But I've seen some evidence, uh, and I think we just know this anecdotally, um, that there is a lot of businesses moving their headquarters. I could only find data that was reliable that goes back to 2009. So it's not really like all pandemic related, but just over the last decade, we've seen that some of the major winners um, for businesses moving places are, are the same places. So Arizona, Florida, Texas, but also Illinois, which I kind of find was strange because people were moving out of Illinois, but they're gaining businesses, which doesn't really make so much sense. Um, and then losers um, were California, New York, and Nevada, um, which I was also kind of interested, and Utah, because U- Utah and Nevada, they weren't on our list of places where most people are moving, but Nevada and Utah have absolutely seen a lot of population growth over the last couple of years. You know, I mean, Salt Lake City is one of the fastest growing uh, real estate markets in the country. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting. And I mean, you know, like Texas and Florida are making a lot of headlines, but to me, this is a really interesting long-term trend that we might just be seeing the beginning of. Um, because like you were saying, with how people can move now in terms of Airbnb and it's made it more easy, look, just go look at what vacancy rates on offices are around this country. They are exploding. So if there was ever a time where office, you know, you want to move from New York to Miami or you know, wherever to wherever, now is pretty good time to negotiate a good office. There's a lot of flexibility. People might be willing to leave. And and so I think this is one of those trends that started, I think really did start to pick up. I don't have a lot of data on this, but this is just my anecdotal opinion that it really started to pick up during the pandemic and I think is going to increase a lot over the next couple of years. What do you think about that? I think this makes perfect sense with what we're just describing. If we're talking about people needing to be in a specific location to work less, but then wanting to travel more, you'd expect office space to decrease within areas because people don't have to go to an office to work. They're working from where they live. And you'd expect demand to increase in the residential space. That's exactly what we've seen. Specifically within the short-term rental markets, you've seen increasing demand, which has been so much that even as supply has flooded the market, like we all know someone out there who's like, oh yeah, we just threw our house up on Airbnb or we put a trailer in the backyard. Everyone's doing this, which is funny because it's not a thing that you would think could be supported if everyone threw their properties up. It's not meant to be something everyone can just do. You have you have to match supply with demand, yet there's been so much demand that so many people have put stuff up there and they've done well. And then, like you said, commercial space, office space is becoming very easy to lease and very difficult to manage. I bought into some office space and vacancies have been up. It's been harder and harder to figure that out. You and I have brought guests on to talk about what we're going to do, converting some of this commercial space into residential space because demand across the board is going down for those locations. So I think that part 
makes sense. But I also thought another interesting factor that you brought up was that some of the areas where businesses are moving into have people moving out. What's your thoughts on why that might be happening, some of those states? So I have two ideas about this. And the first one is sort of the inverse of what we were talking about, where people used to move to cities where there were good paying jobs. But companies used to also move to places where there was a good talent pool, where they had the type of people who could fill the jobs that they need. Now, if those people are spreading out from San Francisco or New York, the businesses have the same incentive to leave those expensive markets that people do. So like if you could get a, you know, maybe in Illinois or wherever, Utah, wherever these places are, maybe they're cheaper places, maybe there's uh, there's cheaper for office space. And then the second thing I wanted to say is that there's, I, I listened to this podcast about this, but States and cities are just at war with each other with tax incentives trying to bring companies in. So I, I listened to this podcast. It was crazy about, you know, the city, Kansas City, uh, obviously. It's like split between Missouri and and Kansas. And apparently, like every couple of years, they just move the companies will just move back and forth across the river because Kansas <laughs> will be like, We you won't pay taxes for 10 years. And then Missouri will be like, oh, you won't pay taxes for 12 years. And so like they're all doing this. And I think that now, because a lot of companies, workers are remote. They can take advantage of these tax advantages that states are throwing at them. So if it's like, you know, if you run a business and it's going to cost you 20% less, whatever, in taxes to move to Nebraska, maybe you do it because your employees wouldn't even care because they're remote anyway. So that's just my personal opinion. That's not like really backed up by any data, but I I was thinking about it and that's, that's sort of where I came out. What about you? Yeah, you're exactly right. We saw that play out with Tesla. Right with Elon Musk in the Bay Area, they have a Fremont plant, and there's all these regulations that are put on them. Taxes are very high. That's where the talent pool has been. Is the Bay Area is known for having some of the brightest minds because we have Stanford and Berkeley, two colleges that are known for attracting the brightest minds. People move here, they get exposed to that California weather and California amenities. They don't want to leave. I mean, this is California is expensive, but it's expensive for a reason. We've got mountains, we've got beaches, we've got deserts, we've got incredible urban infrastructure, restaurants, all kinds of really cool things in diversity that once you see this, you're like, oh, I don't, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But we also have high taxes. We also have a lot of regulation. There's there's negatives that come along with that. And he was basically saying, I'm going to move to Texas or I'm going to move to Nevada. I'm going to move somewhere that I'm wanted. And those states that said, yeah, come here, we want you. Where California is making it look like we don't want you, we want we want your money, we want your taxes, but we don't want to support your business. That absolutely happened. And as like I was just saying, when people or businesses see someone else does it, they're more likely to follow suit, right? You see a lot of businesses leaving California and moving into Texas, and it's like you mentioned, it's like getting a raise for them too. If their employees were paying a thirteen and a half percent state income tax, and they could go to Texas where there's a zero state income tax. They can pay them the same amount, but claim that they gave a 13.5% raise. It's absolutely true. And the employees feel that. Yeah, they look, they actually feel it. Yeah. It is easier to save money than it is to make money. That's one of the things I talk about all the time. Even if you make money, that money gets taxed. Well, when you save money, you're not having to pay taxes on what was saved. And so I think it's fascinating that different businesses are recognizing that different states offer different opportunities. So even though the California population did decrease, I think you mentioned more businesses moved into California. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. That's the talent pool. 
Those are the types of businesses that are saying, we need this kind of brain and these people aren't leaving California. So we are willing to go there and pay more money to get them. But if you're a different business, maybe you're an international business that's not dependent on the California uh, amenities like the talent pool, you're absolutely gonna go to Tennessee and you're gonna save some money. So it's not as simple as just understanding, are they coming in or are they coming out? That's where the conversation starts. The next question is what types of companies are coming in and what types are coming out? Like tech has notoriously been known for paying more wages than other industries. Those companies are in California still. Silicon Valley is still the hub. That's one of the reasons that real estate in that area is so dang expensive because the wages are incredibly high. It makes so much money. Yeah. So much money. And if you buy in those areas where tech jobs move, you tend to do really well. If we could travel back in time 10 years and buy a lot of Seattle real estate, Austin real estate, San Francisco real estate, uh, like Birmingham, Alabama has even had some of the tech company move out there. Madison, Wisconsin has seen a lot of that. South Florida has seen. Those are not coincidentally the areas that we've seen the biggest spike in prices because the wages that were paid went up a lot. And so understanding like not just our businesses moving in and out, what kind of businesses, okay? If you're a tire manufacturing plant, you don't need to be in San Jose, California. You can absolutely go to Nevada and save a lot of money, right? But if you're working on the next microchip and you've got like 700 moving pieces that all have to come together to make that happen, you probably have to be where the people are. Absolutely. It makes sense. And I think, yeah, that'd be one of the, we'll talk about this in just a couple minutes, but one of the, you know, major things as an investor that you want to see is, is wage growth. Like that is one of, if not the best predictor of rent growth in your city and appreciation for homes. And so if you see businesses that are paying high wages, that happens, you know, that is bodes very well for real estate investing. And it's not just those things. Like if you think about something like Tesla or all these other companies moving to Austin sort of all at once, think about how much money the city then has to invest into infrastructure. They're going to be hiring engineers. They're going to be bringing in construction workers. They're going to be building a new airport terminal. You know, all of these things that Increased demand for housing, increased demand for rentals, increased demand for, uh, you know, just shoots up prices across the board. So that's why we're talking about this is that it's not just like interesting to see, but it does like have actual implications for these local economies. 100%. Now, let's talk a little bit about the South because, you know, on this podcast, we've been talking about this for a long time. I've made the joke that if you take the the United States of America on a flat plane and you just tilt it down into the right, that's where everybody tends to be moving into. And it's been, it's been this way for a long time. My partner, Andrew Cushman, and I buy multifamily property. We're only buying for the most part in the South. And it's and we've done very, very well in these because we've seen so many more people moving there and the demand has increased faster than supply can keep up. And for a long time, that was like, all you had to do, just go buy somewhere in the South. And if it happened to be an area that wages were increasing, you crushed it. This is this is why knowing this information matters. So what are what's some of the data and the numbers on where people are moving in the South? Yeah. So if you look at businesses, it's Texas, Florida, Tennessee um, in the South. But I want I did pull some data about just some of the cities that overlap in terms of the most popular places for both business to be moving and and people. And on a state level, it's Florida, Texas, and Arizona. That's not super surprising, but like we said, for the combination of reasons um, why uh, people are moving, Florida, Texas, and Arizona. 
If you want to know specific markets, though, it's not that easy. Like we talk about it on the show, and you know, this is my fault talking about it at the state level, but like each market is super different. So let's just talk about specific cities. Dallas is really one of them. Atlanta, which we haven't talked a lot about Georgia, but Atlanta has to be one of the fastest growing in terms of population and businesses. Atlanta is just absolutely exploding. Austin, of course, Tampa and St. Pete, Raleigh-Durham, Miami, Phoenix, Charlotte. These are all just massive. Raleigh, you know, all these cities are just enormously and exploding. There was one in the north, though. Boston was one out of the top 10. But all the rest were basically in the Sun Belt, as they say, which is, I guess, the south, but also includes Texas and Arizona. I don't know what you call uh, Arizona, if that's technically the South. But um, the whole Sun Belt area seems to be um, just absolutely exploding, and those markets are at the top. Yeah, and that's the perfect mix here of where people are moving and businesses are moving. And now the only question left to ask is, are these businesses that tend to pay better? Now, there's one thing I want to point out where when people are just headline readers and they don't ask the why, it's very easy to see markets like Phoenix or even uh, Tampa that's been listed in there, Las Vegas, as they're dropping in prices. It would appear from the outside like, oh, that's a declining market. You want to get out of it. You don't want to buy there. It They're dropping because they rose so freaking fast. It was like almost impossible, right? It was They were skyrocketing and they finally tailored off and they're correcting to where they need to be. But they are set up to where you you should expect to see long-term growth in those markets over the future, right? It doesn't mean jump in and, and pay, pay list price right now. We're not saying that. You probably don't have to get into bidding war if you're buying in Arizona. But if everybody else was in a frenzy and they bid these prices up, you can now come in and get them significantly less than list price if you make the right offers and you work with the right agent. Shout out to Bigger Pockets Agent Finder here. Use that if you want to find someone on Bigger Pockets to help you do that, right? But over the next five to 10 years, there is a reason why they were shooting up. There is a reason why those markets had so much demand is the smart money is looking at this and they see this is where people are moving. This is where business are moving. And we do have a window with rising interest rates where you can get in there and get some these properties, whereas before it wasn't even possible. Totally. I, you know, I think similar to you, people ask me a lot, like, where should I invest? And, you know, over the next few years, I, I think that there's this interesting dynamic where the cities and markets that have the best long-term potential have the worst short-term potential right now and vice versa. So it's like, you look at Austin, Austin is crashing harder than any city. Austin is going to explode over the next 20 years. So like I try and not time the market, but like you said, you can try and bid under asking, you know, find a diamond in a rough right now. Cause Austin is one of those cities where it's like, you know, people are going to want to move there. Businesses are moving there. Like Austin's like the poster child for everything we were just talking about. Um, same with Tampa, um, you know, cities like that are going to keep doing well. Tampa is actually doing okay right now, but I think there is a really important difference between what's going to happen in the next, let's say, 12 to 24 months and what's going to happen in the next 10 years. And those are not necessarily the same thing. And so as an investor, you really have to think about that. I'm not sure I would flip a house in Austin right now, but would you, you know, find a great deal, um, you know, bid under asking and find a a great location in Austin and hold on to it for 10 years? Probably. So let's sum up some of the advice that we have for the people. One of the points here is you should watch migration patterns closely. It is not enough to say, where is the cheapest real estate or where is the highest price to rent ratio right now? 
without thinking about the future. Because real estate's great over the long term, but one of the downsides of it is you own it for a long time. And it's been traditionally easy to sell, but that doesn't mean it will stay that way. If you buy in a market that people are leaving, you can't think, I'm just going to sell if it doesn't perform well, because there's no one to buy it. It's hard to get rid of it, okay? That's a thing we need to be thinking about more in the future is we've just assumed buy as much real estate as you could possibly own. We haven't even had to worry about where. If you're in one of these areas where people are leaving, like some of the areas in the Midwest, and you go buy five or six properties there, and it gets harder and harder to get tenants, and the tenants you're able to get are worse and worse, and you're not wanting to own, don't think, I'll just sell it because no one's going to buy it. It doesn't work that way. Watch these patterns closely and try to get out of markets early that people are leaving and get into markets early that people are moving to. Look at the types of the jobs and the businesses coming to a city, not just is their business coming. You know, we use the example of the hypothetical tire manufacturing plant versus a tech company that's trying to make the next super duper microchip. And then look at how this will impact the overall makeup of a market's economy, right? Is a bit, are businesses moving in that bring other businesses with them? If you look at commercial real estate, you see the same pattern. They'll take an anchor tenant like a Target. They'll, they'll put this in a shopping center, and then you'll have all these little additional tenants that will jump on, like the place you get your haircut. There's, you notice there's always an ice cream shop next to a haircut place. There's always a Chick-fil-A, you know, there's, they, they follow them around. It's like an actual thing. Like there, we, we talked about this on the, on the market show the other day. It's like, you know, the Chick-fil-A follows around Lowe's, you know, they, they do it on purpose. Yeah. And they're smart to do that. Like I noticed there's always a Baskin Robbins ice cream next to the haircut place because every parent wants to get their seven-year-old to sit still. And they say, if you do, I'll take you to go buy ice cream. They know a certain demographic of people shops at Target. And if you put stuff next to Target that's convenient for people that are shopping there, they're more likely to go and buy those products or get that food or whatever the case will be. Uh, real estate in general works this way. So look at what types of companies are moving somewhere. Think about the type of human being that's going to want to follow that and then think about what type of real estate they're going to want to own. This is why so for so long when companies were like Austin, Texas was exploding, high rises was the flavor of the month. Everyone was building these high rise condos in in pristine locations. You were seeing redevelopment happening where they were tearing down a two-story building and replacing with a 200-story building right next to the downtown area that everybody wanted to live. And that was the trend until COVID-19 shook that up. So think about that. Don't just blindly follow where you see other investors going. Uh, Dave, anything you want to add about that? No, just that, you know, similar to how I was saying that you shouldn't look at a state and be like, everything is one way in that state. You need to look at the market. I would say that look at even in the sub markets in a city as well. There, you know, you talked about Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I, I did an investment there. They are losing population on a macro scale, you know, the whole metro area. But there are some areas of Birmingham that are absolutely exploding. You know, I'm sure when you, David, talk about, quote unquote, the Bay Area, there's so many different sub markets within the Bay Area that are performing really differently. So don't just look, you know, and, and sort of read the headlines again. The more you dig in, the more you look at this data on a really specific basis, the better you're going to make 
decisions. Such a good point. And the people that need to hear this are the people that are unfamiliar with the market. Because what happens is you don't know the Bay Area, you don't know Birmingham, you're going to go look for the cheapest real estate you can find because that's the safest. That's At least that's what you're thinking. That you need to talk to an Not agent. Safest. That, no, it's, it's almost always the opposite, right? Yeah. So I have people that say, "Hey, I've been looking to invest in the Bay Area, but it's really, really expensive." So what do you think about Stockton, California? That's one of those like I I know that area very well. I grew up near there. I went to college there. Huge red flags. Like you better be super careful if you're going to be investing in Stockton. You need an agent that knows the market really well. So some questions that people can ask when they do use the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, or they reach out to me, or they reach out to you and say, "Hey, I need an agent in that area that you know." Ask them what type of people live in this city. What are they doing for work? What's industry like here? In these neighborhoods, what type of people live in these neighborhoods versus those? Is this a commuter area? Is this an area where people have, it's high walk scores, so they don't even need to have a car. They're just going to stay in this space all the time. Have a really good understanding for what types of people want to live both in the city and in neighborhoods within the city before you commit to this 30-year mortgage you're going to be making on this house payment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's great advice. All right. Well, Dave, if people want to hear more about your studies, your data collection, where can they do that? Well, I host a podcast twice a week called On the Market. It's also made by Bigger Pockets. You can find it on Spotify and Apple, and it comes out every Monday and Friday. And the whole premise of the show is basically to keep investors up to date on all the latest news, data, and trends that should inform your investing decisions. So you should do that. And if you want to actually reach out to me and connect, you can find me on Instagram where I'm at the data deli. Yes. And I highly encourage any of you here to reach out to Dave for questions about real estate data or questions about sandwiches. He is a highly underrated sandwich expert. He is the guy. He's my go-to person every time. <laughs> I'm not sure. Do I want this buffalo chicken ranch or should I stick with a turkey and avocado? Uh, Dave is a whiz. Like In the same way that people come to me on seeing green and they say, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I can go to Dave every single time if I'm not sure if I want to get the aioli or just a straight mayonnaise. He knows the questions to oh, ask. Oh my God. Yeah. Guy what a topic. Me. We could talk about this. could be a whole episode. All right. And if you want to reach out to me, you can do so at David Green 24 on Instagram or on YouTube or anywhere else. And as always, if you didn't know, Bigger Pockets has more resources than just this podcast. There's an entire website, an entire world, an ecosystem of information, amazing forums that you can read questions other people have asked and had answered, or you can ask your own, a host of books that you can buy at biggerpockets.com slash store. Honestly, more than I could say on this episode, and I couldn't do it justice anyway. So if you got a minute, just type in biggerpockets.com and get lost exploring all the ways that we provide value for you, including a lot of Dave's work on data and reports that he's put together. All right. I'm going to let you get out of here, Dave. Do you have any last words before we go? No. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. This is David Green for Dave, the sandwich guru Meyer signing off. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. 
Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.